Hi, and welcome to Mumspire, your go-to place for inspiration, information, and great tips on how you can become a happier and healthier mum. My name is Anna Maria, and I'm your host. I work as a naturopath, nutritionist, herbalist, doula, and yoga instructor. But most importantly, I'm a fellow mum. Hello and welcome. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Stephen Lin, who is a dentist. And he's a dentist with a slightly different approach than your average dentist, I would say. And if you haven't heard about Dr. Stephen Lin, I'm really excited that I'm introducing you to him. He has a beautiful holistic philosophy when it comes to dentistry and the oral health. And what's so beautiful is that it ties in amazingly with the philosophy around gut health and how gut really has a reflection on the rest of our body. We kind of know that if we have a, a day of eating high sugary food, high refined foods, lots of coffee, a couple of glasses of wine in the evening, we're going to wake up the next day tired, exhausted, maybe bloated and uncomfortable in our gut, maybe some bowel problems, not going to the toilet as well. You know, we, we kind of understand now that there is a direct reflection of our diet onto our gut health and our mental health. But the truth is that the oral health plays a huge role as well. And you can't remove one from the other. It's all going together. And that's what I love that Dr. Stephen Lin is really honing in really beautifully that we have to look at how our mouths are doing. Because if your mouth is not doing well, then it's a direct reflection of your gut health and your diet. And what you know really should make you excited is that if we can make these fundamental changes that we'll talk about in a minute for ourselves, but also really importantly for our children that are developing every single day, then you can actually do something great in preventing oral disease, braces, gum disease, and so on in, in your children as they get older, which is going to have a major impact on their, not only their health, but also just financially on the expenses of going to the dentist and, you know, potentially braces, which is such a common, common factor today. Dr. Stephen Lin, he's a dentist, he's a TEDx speaker, and he's also the author of The Dental Diet. He has a background in biomedical science, and Dr. Lin has dedicated his career now to outlining the nutritional basis of dental disease. His goal is to redefine crooked teeth as a nutritional deficiency and the most significant chronic health problem on the planet. As a leader in the functional dentistry field, his work is building a new model to help intervene in dental growth in kids and prevent orthodontic braces. So this is super exciting. The fact that we can do something about our children's development to prevent all of these things is huge. And yeah, gets me really excited. I hope you're with me. And without further ado, let's have Dr. Stephen Lin on the podcast. So welcome, Stephen. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. And I'm really excited to talk about this topic because I think a lot of mums out there are really interested in what you have to say. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Welcome. Hey, that's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Dr. Stephen Lynn, I would love for you to just talk to us a little bit about yourself and your work and how you've sort of gotten to do this dentistry in this way, probably a little bit different from a lot of other dentists that people know out there. Yeah, it's a little bit outside of what we kind of picture in as conventional dentistry. 
And my background is in biomedical science and I went on to do to study dentistry at the University of Sydney. And then I kind of, I went out into the world and dentistry is a very kind of intense learning process. You learn a lot of uh, mechanical skills and biological systems and how that all works together. And then you're basically trying to manage these things and reconstruct things in people's mouths. Um, so you go out into the world and dentistry is a very challenging career. So I really loved those first kind of years in, in the clinical practice and honing those skills. But I found that I started to feel a little bit, um, maybe a little bit empty in my practice as the time went on because I found that people were coming in, kids, uh, older adults, even you know, uh, healthy people with, with diseased mouths. And I didn't really have the answers as to why those diseases were occurring. People would ask me questions and I couldn't really give them an answer that I felt I was satisfied with. And that was things like, you know, why is my gum disease progressing? And I said, well, you're not cleaning well enough. And those kind of things didn't really pay, um, stand up. But the biggest question was uh, parents would ask me why kids need braces and you know, the textbooks would say it's a genetic problem and I'd say, well, you know, it probably runs in the family. And um, I remember one day a parent saying, well, my grandparents, both sides didn't have braces and I'm pretty sure their, their parents didn't either. And then I began to think a little bit. And but so I took some time away from dentistry uh, to kind of rethink it all because I wasn't sure if I could do this all my life. And I was actually in uh, Istanbul in Turkey, taking some time away. I was in a, uh, a travelers hostel and there was a shared reading shelf. And there was a book by a guy named Weston A. Price, DDS, who was a dentist. And so he went around the world in the 30s with the, and postulated that uh, diet was connected to all the conditions we see in the mouth and that we've changed our dental health dramatically from eating food. And I'd never seen this book before. I kind of opened it up and it was a such a compendium of there was 15,000 photographs it was a world story of this guy that went around the world looking at teeth and its connection to the food at first I discounted I put it in my bag and I thought you know this is, has to be a load of baloney because I wasn't taught it in my seven years of, of tertiary training but I I came back to it years later and I I really kind of saw that I didn't understand it and then I realized that there was something here that I needed to kind of get my head around. And that was the beginning to writing the dental diet. And, you know, the, I found that there was a huge story as to why today we have such high rates of tooth decay, why we have uh, high rates of gum disease. But the big one that we're not really talking about is why kids need braces today. And that's a nutritional problem. And for some reason we've not, um, well, the reasons are actually, I, I think they're pretty clear. I try to lay them in context out through the book. But now we have this functional model. All this science is plugged in what Weston A. Price is talking about and what we can see now and what these different ways of approaching the mouth and that really food is the underlying factor. So what I think it needs to be called functional dentistry, where we get to the root cause of the problem, that's what I've been pushing forward and, and that nutrition is really the baseline of that. It makes me really happy to hear being a nutritionist. And this is why this, I think this conversation is going to be really interesting because, you know, it comes down to a lot of the similar elements that I talk uh, to my clients with in, in clinic about, you know, that the diet is the foundation. And I don't know when or how we suddenly isolated the mouth away from the rest of the body. I mean, we don't, we can't really isolate a body part and not say it's not going to have a reflection somewhere else in the body. So I love that this really ties everything in, in together so well. 
And I'm familiar with the Dr. Western A. Price as well. And I love all those photos in the books. Uh, for those who don't know Western A. Price, it's, yeah, it's really a, an amazing correlation of lots of pictures of children's mouths or it's all, it's adults as well, isn't it? It's everything. Yeah, everything, it, yeah. It, There's it, so it, many. He looked at westernized cultures. He looked at indigenous, non-westernized cultures. He looked at uh, adults, uh, elderly, the you know, the the, um, the middle age, and yeah, he he really tried to document. Oh, he actually looked through anthropological records as well, so into the the, the generations gone by through archaeological records, and so it it was a, such a broad scope of you know the human. Uh, condition and how food is so intimately connected to it. But he was really trying to paint that the jaw and teeth were the marker of how we eat, and, and that's been lost. And, you know, it is so illogical. You know, we eat with our mouths, and some of the best uh, kind of signposts of our health really sit within um, our oral health. What are the typical things? I think a lot of women and mums that are listening would love to hear what you're seeing uh, in children's teeth. Uh, if we could start there, please. What are the sort yeah. of conditions you're seeing? Yeah, so the, the condition you're seeing, and actually it goes well beyond the teeth because we kind of look into our kid's mouth and we see a brown spot on the tooth. And, of course, uh, you know, tooth decay or an issue with um, enamel formation is, is um, important, but there's much more going on with our child's growth and development of their face and their jaws and their airways that we can actually spot. And so this is so important for mums to tell. And so the teeth are just a symptom of of uh, the growth of the jaws and so what we see is that in in the dental practice children come in and so that they'll have this skinny long face they'll have these bags under the eyes they'll have an open mouth they'll they don't uh, behave well at school or they can't concentrate well at school they don't sleep well they snore they grind their teeth they have digestive problems oh, some are on adhd medication because of behavioral issues and so what we're seeing here is this spectrum of kids, and I'll look into their mouth, and they have a high palate, they have a cramped upper jaw, they, they have allergies, their adenoids and tonsils are swollen out of control, uh, they often have asthma, and this whole condition is a sign of, of a, a kid that's not developing fast enough. And so it's, it's pinned to their breathing, it's pinned to how they're posturing their tongue, their lips, but it's the core driving point of all this is food. And so they're not eating the right foods. They're eating foods that are causing this slow growth that's causing this inflammation and the functional problems kind of run along. So kids that have narrow dental arches have narrow airways, so they don't breathe well. When you don't breathe well, you actually stunt the growth of the, of, of the face and, the up, uh, and the, how the dental arch develops by definition. So if a child breathes through their mouth, it actually stunts the forces that actually expand the growth. So that's how we get these mouths today that don't develop. It's, it's, a, it's a functional problem. But then we have to dig deeper into why, the, why they've started growing slowly in the first place, and that's food. So the, the body doesn't have enough nutrients and hormonal signal to grow the craniofacial system. And would you say it's something that a mum could spot in a baby, essentially? Like does it start way back then, or is it later on that a parent can start to see this? Now, in babies, it's probably what we are seeing is that there's some anthropological studies where we're comparing newborn um, uh, jaws and faces to what we saw hundreds of thousands of years ago. 
And babies do see, I see it all the time. They, they, they're born with this, you look at the jaws of uh, newborn, you, you see, their jaws are set back a long way. And we kind of say this is normal. Well, anthropologically, it doesn't look like kids should have that jaw that sits back so far behind their face. They should have a nice straight profile. So we do start to see the signs of it. And breastfeeding is, uh, is the first way that we begin to develop the jaw. And actually the mother's uh, you know, breast milk and her own nutrition is being transferred to the child. And so that's the first time we, we can input into our child's jaw, how we can start to get their, their bones and their teeth and their skeletal system uh, growing the way they should. Mm. So it's right from the get-go, hey? And, well, this is what Price wrote about. It happens um, you know, six months before conception, so the stores of the mother's body. So your own nutrition is so important to your, to your child, even beyond uh, you know, uh, after birth, obviously through breastfeeding, they call, we call it the fourth trimester now, you know, that we have this transfer between maternal and, and uh, you know, it's all this epigenetic input to a, to a child from its environment. And so nutrition is just such a central factor to that. Yeah. And do you see a difference from uh, in the jaw structure and the face structure and how the teeth come out later in life um, from a breastfed baby and a baby that's had the bottle as the majority in the early first six months? Uh, there are studies that show this. There does seem to be a correlation between kids uh, from ages about five to seven that have narrower jaws and breastfeeding. Now, we know the forces physiologically for getting that tongue up, getting that kid nasal breathing. So breastfeeding will teach a kid to breathe through their nose. That, by definition, uh, decreases their chance of crooked teeth because it will help to expand their upper mag maxilla or their upper jaw. And so if, if a child breathes through their nose for the majority of the day, they're largely contributing to a, a wide um, palate, wide upper arch, and that's how we grow these uh, children's faces. And my functional orthodontics today, so there's, a, there's an approach now where we can retrain a kid to breathe through their nose and teeth will straighten naturally because the jaws begin to grow if we intervene early enough. Mm. So it's actually come down to the breathing. I don't think people really think about breathing and teeth uh, sort of go together at all. Absolutely. So this is the first principle of the dental that we frame, that the jaws, teeth, I mean, they're the house, they're the architecture of your airways. So when the teeth are crooked, by definition, that means that the upper jaw hasn't developed. So you've got a skinny, narrow palate or upper jaw. Now, just above the teeth, if you just move up and if you kind of look at a, in a skull or the, the bone itself, the nasal airways sit right above the teeth. So if you have skinny, crooked um, uh, dental arches, you have, by definition, a skinny, cramped airway. And this is what kids are growing up with today. Because no kids I see have the space to fit 32 human teeth as they reach young adolescent, uh, um, young adulthood. And we've lost the ability to grow these jaws. And it's all beginning with food. Yeah. And, I mean, I just quietly, you know, anecdotally look at a lot of children in my clinic and just, you know, out and about. I always, I'm really fascinated by that space sort of between the, you know, across the sinuses there, like that there is space across there and the space of the eyes and those wide jaws and all that. I, I think it's quite interesting because we're not seeing that much of those big, wide, um, lower part of the face, the jaw area. And I'm sure you see the same thing, but I just think it's quite interesting after, after having read some of Dr. Weston A. Price's work. And you can see a lot of children that are mouth breathing and the tongue is sort of hanging out. The lips are sort of hanging a bit and 
mouth wide open. And I would never have thought about that that actually is the cause of potentially crooked teeth and narrow jaws. It's really super interesting. Well, I think the cause is, because what Price is talking about is the root cause is the food, so the lack of nutrients that are growing. So once we stop eating those nutrients, that's what stunts the system. And then we begin to have the functional problem. So, so we, because breathing is a survival response. So your body is designed to take the next breath regardless. So mouth breathing is a survival uh, mechanism. And so, and the reason why we do it is because our airways are cramped. And so the kids will lean forward. So if you, if you push a kid, and this is great, you're doing these examinations, by the way, you, all health practitioners should be looking in the mouth and understanding the dimensions of the face and, and how a child, people are breathing, whether it's, you know, right through adulthood because there's so much you can see and this shouldn't just be done in a dental practice and so there's so easy things to, to see and this is why we need to kind of integrate and have a multidisciplinary approach to this uh, but what what the breathing and functional aspect to it is that once you have a system that's grown slowly child is always just coping and then so what that does is it, it creates habits that can then stunt further so if we correct the habits and we feed the child rightly you know, correctly, that's when we can start to uh, get growth going in the right direction. But just functional on its own will help as well. So what, I, what I'm trying to say is that we need to plug nutrition into it uh, together. So if, let's say, um, the parents of a newborn child both have crooked teeth and had to have braces in, when they were children, and they give birth to their beautiful little baby, can they reverse or try and prevent their baby to go down the same route? Is it that quickly reversed or fixed or prevented? So children will, will respond very quickly uh, to, um, you know, to functional, to, uh, to nutritional. So for instance, let's think about a child that has uh, allergies and so their um, nose runs a lot. They have uh, swollen tonsils and adenoids. Now, a child that has you know, kissing tonsils, which is a, uh, you, know, you can barely see down their throat, that may need intervention. But many children, if we can get in there early enough and, and stop giving them those foods that are causing that gut irritation that causes the mucus, then we can clear up the nose. Then, then we can teach them to breathe through the nose so we can start to give them some very simple exercises to make sure they're closing the lips. And then a, a child that can clear that nose and then we start giving them foods that they're chewing on. So, um, you know, nutrient-dense, fat-soluble vitamin foods and, you know, things like uh, where, where they're chewing bilaterally on both sides of their mouth. So that's important too for, for your clients is that they, they chew on either side because they need to develop both sides of, of the, uh, the, the craniofacial system. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I Yesterday when I was sort of preparing for our talk, I um, remembered sort of I had forgotten about this entirely that because I'm from Denmark originally. And I don't know if you're familiar with this sort of the Scandinavian bread, but we have this dark, dark rye that is heavy and dense and made from sourdough um, mm. and uh, full of grains. And as a child, I was a very fussy eater myself. And um, my mum was always like, you have to chew your food. And I was like, what is she on about? And she was always sort of obsessed with me because I wanted the white bread and the white pasta and all the easy foods, of course, packed with <laughs> all the yummy sugars and so on. Um, but she's like, Anna Marie, you have to use your teeth. And I don't think that she particularly knew why she was saying that, but it was just her, you know, that sort of 
you must use your jaw, you must use your teeth. And it's very interesting how you say that, you know, we actually have to chew. We can't just have these easy, simple foods. It's not going to be conductive to, a, you know, the growth that we require. Yeah, it's, it's like any musculoskeletal joint in the body. You go to the gym to, um, you know, to, to grow and to have strong joints and bones. And we know that physical signals, for instance, will deposit bone in any other part of the body, yet we've not thought about that, how that happens in the, in the mouth and jaw. And so it's, it's the same. And so chewing is one of the nutrients we take from food, so it's a nutrient. We do need to chew, and children especially need to have this functional aspect, and so it's to do with the tongue. The tongue is very important, how they posture when they're not chewing. Uh, when they are chewing, it should be you know, some, you know, a mix of raw chew, uh, uh, fibrous vegetables, uh, collagenous meats on the bone where they have to rip and tear. And so things that challenge the jaw and that they have to actually use this, you know, the salivary enzymes in the mouth to begin the digestion process, that's how it's supposed to eat. So once we mush things up, once we, you know, kind of uh, puree everything, we're taking that away. And that's, uh, that's an aspect. The physical part of the diet is an aspect of jaw development. Yeah, and it's um it's quite interesting you say that with um with starting solids, for example, like if you really start from the beginning, which I think and I think you agree that we should really start from, you know, the get go and essentially before conception, but anyways, that you know, I when it comes to starting solids, one of the things that I um recommend is that we don't actually puree the food. I know I realize that six months old don't have teeth that many teeth yet, but we can mush them enough just with a fork, just so they start to get familiar with the textures on the tongue and just learning that food isn't smooth as milk. You know, it's not silky smooth and just building up that tolerance really quite early. Um, there is, there was a study I came across that uh, said that if babies are introduced to lumpy and uneven food, uh, such as vegetables before nine months of age, they are less likely to be fussy eaters later in life. And I thought that was really interesting. And I think it has to do with just getting used to the textures in the mouth and getting comfortable with that. But I think it's sort of, you know, that stretches all the way through to just really learn to, yeah, chew and eat properly and real foods. Absolutely, yeah. And so these principles really have been lost, but there are, there are programs and one of the best known is called baby-led weaning uh, where we lead kids straight into some sort of, like you say, some sort of solid foods from breastfeeding and wean that period in instead of having, uh, you know, kind of uh, the, the mush pureed foods that, that don't challenge the jaw at all. Yeah. And especially, I mean, I have a, a thing with the squeezy, you know, the, the baby foods in a squeezy bottle thingy, the ones you can oh. buy off the shelf. I have a real like, oh, I can't take it. But, <laughs> um, and I advise against them because one, it's unrealistic. It's very, very sweet. It's silky smooth, like beyond blended. I don't know how they get it to that texture. And of course, it's been sitting on a shelf. So chances are that a lot of the nutrients are not that present anymore. But I think that, yeah, it really starts there. And, and that's why it makes a big difference that we, that we really consider this uh, right from the beginning. And I love that we can see it from the perspective of the teeth and really understand that this is this can prevent a lot of heartache and toothache later in life for sure. It's, it's crucially important, you know, the, the way a child, you know, grows and develops, you know, every parent is worried about that. And so this is such simple, simple principles that you can, you know, introduce to your child's life, uh, you know, every day. And so it's, it's, it's something that's been lost. And, you know, we, we have been told a little bit and kind of been conditioned towards uh, you know, the ideas of bottles and artificial you know, feeding for kids, but it really is just getting back to real food. 
Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Uh, and I want to talk about the foods in a minute because I think that's really the juicy stuff, isn't it? <laughs> um, before we move on, I just wanted to ask you, what about, um, I just had a quick sort of skim and I saw something about uh, sippy cups. Is there a thing with sippy cups and teeth? Yeah, exactly. So sippy cups can um, can cause a, uh, what happens is that teeth uh, actually causes the, the child to, to place the tongue uh, incorrectly. And so a, a child should have, in, instead of having those teated bottles, they should have, they can drink out of a cup. So you can have little cups. Um, they call, there's, a, there's a brand called uh, Baby Cups uh, that where a child just drinks out of a cup. You know, it's a very small cup. They have it. They put it in their hand. They learn to hold their head up. They learn to use their lips. And, and sippy cups really don't help them to to have that aura um, mode of function. And so... Kids should use cups, basically. That's that's the and it's part of that um, that physical aspect to eating. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So they really just made the sippy cup convenient for parents, didn't they? <laughs> so that's yeah, like <laughs> yeah. But a kid will learn very quickly, right? It's um, you know, if you teach a kid to uh, you know, to, to drink, they, they're going to learn, and that you know, they learn you know in days. So it's something that they need to learn too. So if they're relying on a teat or a, um, one of those sippy. You know, you, you're you're taking that developmental period away from them. Yeah, so it's a motor skill thing, but it's also a it actually affects the teeth. It's it's sort of part of that whole picture. I think that's really important to know. Let's talk about the diet then, shall we? What are the what are your recommendations, and what makes the big difference? What are you seeing in your practice? So the, the kids that come in, so that 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 um, long face adenoid face, we call it that. Uh, you know, children walk in. Now, the what they're basically eating is what we we put, you know the standard um, you know Western diet where they're having you know sugar filled cereals, high uh, refined carbohydrate um, uh, snacks, and and uh, breads and uh, passes on top. So, I mean, basically, if you think about what a kid eats for breakfast today, so the cereals with the low fat milk sometimes um, with a glass of juice and what that's doing is it's flooding a, uh, you know, a, 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 an entire um, uh, period of, of refined carbohydrates, which create inflammation. So these these foods aren't uh, they're not recognizable by by their body. That's why they're so inflamed. So when we see these runny noses, when we see these um, enlarged adenoids, that's a gut that is not happy. And so the, the harmful food is one aspect of this. And so I think we've heard a lot about the harmful food. And, I, you know, we teach about that elimination protocol, what to take out, you know, how to count your kid's sugar. You should always count your kid's, kid's sugar intake. Uh, refined carbohydrates is the same. You should cut that down as much as possible. Vegetable oils, which is found in many packaged foods. This is basically all the foods we find on the supermarket shelves in a package. But so... That harmful food category is the, the stuff we need to watch out for. But then what's really important for parents to know is what we need to feed kids and how we get kids off of these foods. And so that's the challenge. But knowing that is important. And the principles go back to Weston A. Price. And he spoke about three core nutrients, and that was vitamin A, vitamin D. And he actually wrote the other one as Activate X, and he died before he found out. But the last nutrient was found in 2007, well, connected. And that is vitamin K2. And so he found across the board, every society was absolutely 
focus on getting these three nutrients for expecting couples, for children. They made sure the kids ate ample of these foods. And so these are the fat-soluble vitamins. Uh, and they only come in a very small set of foods that need to be sourced well. And kids don't have enough of these foods anymore. They don't have, uh, you know, if you measure their vitamin D, nearly all, you know, I, I've not seen a kid with adequate vitamin D levels, um, you know, that has this kind of developmental issue. And so the foods that are rich in these are getting back to things like grass-raised butter, um, you know, egg, uh, eggs, especially the egg yolks, because that's where all these nutrients are held. Uh, fatty cuts of meat, organ meat, uh, full-fat fish, well-sourced cheeses. These are the foods that have uh, these nutrients, and if we strip these out of the diet and we have low-quality vegetable oils, if we have uh, refined um, you know, flours, carbohydrates, cereals, they don't contain any of these. And the other thing, too, is that they're fat-soluble. So if you don't have the right fats with them, saturated fats included, coconut oil, animal fats, all of these, your child needs to absorb fat-soluble nutrients. So if you don't eat those, you, the body can't digest them and put them in, into uh, the blood cholesterol system where they're packaged and sent around the body. Yeah. And we've had this, um, you know, this scare of all those foods that you mentioned, the butter, the eggs. I mean, they've been such banned and evil foods. And I still find, I'm sure you do too, that people are kind of like, really? Should I really still, should I really be starting to eat that? And, um, and people are worried that they're going to end up with, you know, cardiovascular problems and that, um, yeah, that their cholesterol is going to go through the roof once they start to eat these foods. So it's almost like we have to bring it all the way full circle almost to get these foods into, into just adults. But I think a lot of parents are worried about giving their child egg yolk. I mean, egg yolk is one of the first things that I recommend a child eats much more important than let's say a baby cereal, which doesn't provide any of the things you mentioned. So I think there is really understanding and trusting that real food is not going to cause you harm. Instead, it's actually going to prevent you from a lot of financial heartache if you're going to put your child through braces for many years. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's such a shame that we've, you know, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, the, the misconception that you talk about this low fat era, it's really kind of, we've passed through it now. And we're in this gray area where people are just unsure. And so I, I hope that, 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 you know, the idea that teeth and jaw growth, and, and just to contextualize this actually, um, so if you think about your child's, you know, jaw and how it grows, so we've talked about the physical component, but then the fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin D is what, what causes your child or, and all of our bodies that if you don't have enough vitamin D, you won't absorb calcium full stop. So 15% of it will, will be absorbed in a person that's vitamin D deficient. Now, what happens then is that vitamin A is like the signal, like the hormonal growth, the, the bone turnover. And then the last factor is vitamin K2, which actually activates the proteins that carry um, calcium and minerals into bones and teeth. So if your child doesn't have K2 and egg yolks, grass-raised, you know, well-sourced egg yolks are a great source of K2, then they may not have enough of, of the uh, proteins activated in their body to distribute calcium in, in, into bones and teeth. And one of the best signs is, is calculus buildup. So you know when you get that dental clean uh, down the bottom of your, your front teeth, you have that painful area the dentist cleans? Yeah, very uncomfortable. Yeah, so, but that's usually where you get dental calculus buildup. So that's calcified plaque. And so for people that get big buildup, and I see it sometimes on kids too, they have calcified uh, 
tartar on their teeth, it's usually a sign potentially that they have a lack of K2 because their body's not putting that calcium where it needs to go. So they might have, you know, they might be taking a fortified vitamin D cereal or something, and then they're absorbing calcium, but they're not distributing it. And is that the same as um, the calcium buildup when you see um, a lot of kids have it, but adults also have it every now and then? I see um, those white spots on the teeth, so not on the inside, but sort of all over the front teeth. Is that the same thing? White spots can be a bit different. So white spots is usually a developmental um, difference. So that that can be so it can be fluoridation. It can be if there was a um, if there was a fever during. Uh, uh, prenatal times or, or neonatal times that uh, that can interrupt the tooth formation process, and so that white spots are usually something different to that. But the calcified plaque is just the uh, the buildup around the gum line of the teeth. Uh, okay, so they're two different things essentially. Yeah. What I think is also is um, sort of on the on the K2, the vitamin D, vitamin A, and so on, um, is that if we can get children literally from the get-go of starting solids to get them used to eating those types of foods, they're going to be very happy to eat them for the rest of their lives. But it's, it's I mean, there are the fatty parts of the food and they have to get used to eating them. Otherwise, it is hard to to digest them really and then, you know, let alone utilizing them correctly. So I think it's one of those that parents really consider how important this is to do from the get-go instead of those fortified cereals, because it just doesn't add up. It's not going to have the same effect in the body if you do a fortified cereal, baby cereal, whatever you know they are. We actually need to start with the real foods to get the right enzymes happening and, and also the taste buds developing correctly. Absolutely. I couldn't agree, couldn't agree anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I also wanted to talk about pregnancy because a pregnant woman have is a little bit sort of vulnerable or fragile when it comes to the teeth and the gum health. And a lot of my listeners are pregnant or planning on being pregnant. And um, I just wanted to chat to you about sort of the classic, you know, gum and teeth situation that's happening. What I see is the, you know, the swollen gums, the red bleeding gums, um, gingivitis, I guess, and also um, a lot of crumbling teeth I see in either sort of late pregnancy or in the postpartum period in that fourth trimester. There's a lot of teeth problems. Do you see that as well? Absolutely. And so, you know, when you fall pregnant, you know, your body goes through a cascade of processes to start building another human. And so at the base of this is a skeletal system. So those resources that are going to, you know, create strong, healthy bones and teeth in your kids uh, are being stripped directly from the mother. And now we've just described the diets we want our kids to eat. The mother needs to be eating these, you know, more so, you know, and the price, you know, showed that, you know, six to 12 months before conception, they would have couples eating these foods to make sure they had this, uh, you know, kind of prenatal um, store of bone building factors. And so this has just been lost. And so if a mother eats a diet that is lacking, and if you don't think about these kind of things, this is why I really felt that I needed to write the book is because we don't, it's so hard, even if you think you eat healthy, I, I was the same. You don't get enough of these nutrients unless you understand where they come from exactly and how to source those foods and to make sure that you're getting them because our concept of food is so far away from what we, you know, what we're really designed to eat. Yeah, so it's really come down to the fact that the the baby's getting everything and the mum 
is left hanging. <laughs> we, Basically. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. So yeah, this is where preconception comes into play, guys. This is really, really important um, to take, you know, to really get the diet right before we start making babies. I would love to hear your thoughts on a few trends out there <laughs> at the moment. What, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of teeth whitening going on. What are your, your thoughts on that and uh, the different methods that are available? Yeah. I mean, look, teeth whitening is exactly that. Um, you know, I, I think with a healthy tooth structure and, you know, that no other problems, at, you know, reportable at, at, that are present, I think, you know, for most people they can, you know, whiten their teeth. And it is a very superficial, you know, bleaching of the surface of the enamel. Um, but if, as long as there is an underlying check there, uh, I would, um, you know, I think it's safe to do. Now, there are some kind of bleaching methods that use hydrogen peroxide or carbamide peroxide. Now, the caution I would suggest here is that these things have an effect on the oral microbiome. And while we disinfect and kind of use mouthwashes for the microbiome, the real goal for it is to um, encourage diversity, and that's by food. So the, while we use all these products that are potentially antibacterial and teeth whitening with hydrogen peroxide do, does have um, heavy antibacterial um, properties, I would urge a lot of caution with that. There are some, there's an uh, article on my website about uh, activated charcoal. Uh, I would urge a bit of caution with that because it is abrasive. So I've seen people that do it every day and they can actually abrade the surface of your teeth away because um, you're kind of scrubbing that surface with uh, the, uh, the, the activated charcoal molecules. Uh, overall, you know, if you're healthy, you know, teeth whitening, you know, can be a safe cosmetic uh, treatment to go through. But I would just be very sure that you're you've got your foundations set first yeah diet right and then is there a chance that if you are really doing the diet right and should the teeth be less prone to then become stained for the most part yeah for the most part i do find some people that have quite good dust they do sometimes get a yellow staining um that can be from a certain set of bacteria it can be sometimes from a uh, certain set of foods like a turmeric or um, they, they do – it's a small subset. But for the most part, if you eat well, your teeth are going to look great. They're going to be strong. They're going to be immune to tooth decay. And kids are going to grow jaws that fit teeth. So, yeah, the diet is the underlying factor. The cosmetics is that, you know, we can always deal with the cosmetics, but you want to make sure your nutrition and food is, is um, underlying. Just we, we touched on it before with the with the teeth or the sippy cups. Um, are dummies in the same sort of bracket? Are yeah, they tricky? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and even thumb sucking as well. So these are habits that so dummies, you know, for a small amount might be useful, but we want to teach the child to hold their tongue properly and their lips closed independently. So dummies don't teach that. They do help them to breathe through the nose because um, they'll stop mouth breathing. So for a small amount of time, dummies might have a use, um, but I would be very much encouraging parents to, to uh, you know, get their child out of the habit as early as possible. Mm, yeah, interesting. And are there any sort of guidelines? Do you see a reflection and you know how uh, school-aged children, when they when their first set of teeth fall out, is there a reflection there, like the delayed, the children that are a bit later in that? Is there anything there or is that more just individual and gen um, genetic related? 
for when they lose their kids' teeth? Yeah, there's some children that sort of they just seem to fall out in one year type thing and they, you know, it all turns over quite quickly and some are a little bit slower in that process. Is there a link there? Yeah, I've seen a lot of, um, what I've seen is there are a lot of kids now that, uh, that they've slow exfoliated. So the exfoliation of teeth is where they lose the baby teeth. And so that's actually linked to thyroid problems. So that's a slow, um, uh, it, cause I mean, obviously the thyroid turns over metabolism and uh, other hormonal reactions in the body. So kids that lose their teeth slowly might actually have hypothyroidism. Uh, so I would be looking at that if, if your child's a little bit, some kids are a bit behind normally, then, you know, there's a range of, of the time they should be losing their teeth. But if you're, some kids are kind of, you know, a year to a year and a half behind, I would be thinking along the lines of the thyroid. Mm, interesting. Um, which is a blood test and that can, that can be done, um, fairly simple, um, but important to look at and fluoride. Can I ask you about fluoride? <laughs> Every, everyone always asks about fluoride. <laughs> yeah, look, look, fluoride is a controversial one. I, the way I put it at is that it's a treatment. Uh, we've kind of framed it as the, the preventative gold standard, but that's not it. All the things we've talked about. So, for instance, the, there are cells inside your child's teeth and you're inside your own teeth that protect you against tooth decay if you feed them the right nutrients. So, food. Is, is how we, you know, balance the immune system, uh, balance calcium and skeletal uh, homeostasis in the body. Fluoride incorporates uh, a fluoride molecule into your tooth enamel that makes it more resistant to tooth decay. Now, that can be uh, app applicable in certain um, cases. However, at a prevention basis, food, vitamin D testing, um, you know, removing sugars, uh, gut intolerances, these are all, and, and actually sleep is very important too, these are much more powerful uh, tools to protect ourselves against um, tooth decay than just using a, a fluoride. Okay, thank you for answering that. <laughs> so as we're rounding up, I just wanted uh, to give the listeners a chance to find you out there in the big world if they haven't heard about you yet. How do parents get a hold of you? Yeah, so my website is drstephenlin.com, so Stephen with a V, L-I-N.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at drstephenlin. And, yeah, so my website has a lot of uh, this information about functional dentistry uh, programs, and we have a program on there for parents to take their child through to kind of look at their child's growth and really kind of get on the road to preventing braces and removing these foods and feeding kids the right foods. But it goes alongside my book, uh, the Dental Diet, which is available uh, in Dimmicks, and you can find it on Booktopia and Amazon as well. Wonderful. Yeah, I would say, you know, read the book and really get an understanding of do these foundational things that are going to support your teeth, but also your overall health. And this is why I love your message, because it really, yes, it's you're talking from the perspective of a dentist and, and we're talking about the mouth, which is very important, but it's really going to have a ripple effect to your mental health and development of, of children and the gut health, which we know is very important and a really big problem out there today. So I really appreciate your work and I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming today and, and chatting with me. Oh, thanks, Anna. It was a pleasure. And thank you for having me too. And, and, and for all the good work you do, because you know food really is our best medicine. So I mean, getting that out there is really, really important. It is. It is. Thank you so much. And um, hopefully we'll have you back another day. Yeah, that'd be great. Love to. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions or topics that you would like me to speak about, I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me via my website, anamaria.com.au. And remember to subscribe so that you get each new episode as they become available. I would greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to write Mumsfire a review on iTunes. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, take care of yourself and your loved ones.